Hi everyone, this is uh, Chris from Chris Watches Pretty Little Liars doing another podcast episode. A little late again, you know, we'll get back on track, I promise. Uh, a few things here before we dive into a pretty significant episode, I have to say. Season two so far has been a little, a little slow in my humble opinion. We get a lot today, but before we get to that, first I want to say I know this podcast is not necessarily a political podcast, and I realize I am nowhere near numbers that Spotify will care but I uh, want to show an act of solidarity by taking Chris Watch's Pretty Little Liars off of Spotify. So if you happen to listen to this podcast on Spotify, I will be taking it off as of the next episode. So you have a week to find a podcast alternative if that's up to you. You know, I saw another few smaller podcasts do the same this week. And I was like, well, is there anything I can do to support? Because actually, I don't listen to Spotify. And I was like, you know what? I, I, can, I can show my support by taking this off of Spotify as well. So I apologize if that impacts you as a listener, uh, but I feel like it's the right thing to do. So there's that. Quick programming note next week. You might be like, why are you doing a season one recap in the middle of season two? Well, you know, scheduling. Scheduling was tough to get it recorded, uh, but I did do a fantastic recording with PLL experts returning, Caroline and Emily, and a special new expert who will be revealed uh, in the episode. I cannot wait to you hear what uh, this expert brings to the table. Very pertinent uh, uh, information. But yeah, we kind of talk about season one, kind of what we learned, what we didn't learn, what, what I'm hoping for season two. So it still feels early enough in season two that it feels appropriate to to do that. So you'll, that'll be in the feed next week. And then the week after, we'll pick up uh, with episode uh, six of season two. And lastly, we got some feedback. Kinsey from Canada wrote in again. Thank you so much, Kinsey, for listening. Uh, and hello. And I really appreciate your feedback. And I just want to uh, and I want to address Kinsey's thoughts one by one here. And if you have thoughts, feedback, etc., remember the address for that is pinecast.com slash feedback slash CWPLL. You'll see a little logo there a little place for your name in your email, and you can put whatever in there you'd like. Just no spoilers. As, as you know, it won't make it on air if you give me a spoiler, so you'll just ruin it for me, which I guess some people might do. But so far, everyone's been really cool, and I appreciate that from everyone who listens to CWPLL because I think part of the fun of the show is not knowing um, what's coming. The surprises is half the fun. Anyway, number one clarification, Kinsey informs me, which I did miss, Samara is actually in high school, Samara goes to a school called Sheridan Prep, which is like a fancy high school. This is Kinsey's uh, words, which is like a fancy high school for kids who are set on college university. I'll be honest, uh, Kinsey and those other folks listening, I grew up in Chicago. So there is, you know, we had grade school, which was first through eighth grade, kindergarten through eighth grade, really. Then high school was nine through 12. We don't, nine through 12 was not even a thing in my vocabulary until long after college. I'd not even heard of that where I grew up. And then there's college. So preparatory, I still like forget, you know. Which, shame on me, because I believe Rory Gilmore goes to a preparatory high school on Gilmore Girls. Am I right? And I should know better, but I didn't. So I, for some reason, Sheridan Prep, I think what threw me off with Sheridan Prep in PLL was that they had, um, what did they say? Like a student union, or they had something that sounded very college-like, very, very adult. But then again, I never knew, I was never exposed to high schools where you live there on campus, which is, you know, Hogwarts, right? And Hogwarts is real. Anyway, that's Kinsey's first point. So Samara is in high school. We can consider that an age-appropriate relationship for Emily. And Kinsey, I definitely agree. I love Samara as well. I think Samara is very mature, very very head on her shoulders, right? Feet on the ground. Emily, like this this, this beacon of stability in a very, very chaotic uh, a time in everyone's life in that town of Rosewood. 
and Kinsey likes Emily and Smart together. I do too. I think they are fantastic, and I hope only for the best. But I've been only watching the show for a season and a few episodes, and I already know things are never that easy on PLL. And Kinsey's second point is to, for me, to kind of embrace Jason Newface. And I'll be honest, Kinsey, I was being a little bit of a butthead. I also grew up with Fresh Prince of Bel-Air when they switched out Aunt Viv, and that was such a traumatic experience for me as growing up. I don't know why, you know, Aunt Viv was gone, there's this new person. It's even brought up in that HBO reunion, which I have not yet watched. It, it, it's a source of pain, too. It was, it, was quite, it was quite an event. So anytime it happens in a show, it just is such a huge thing that I notice. But I agree with you, Kinsey. I've actually, which we'll hear today, uh, Jason Newface has quite a lot of work to do. And I really appreciate the actor who pulls it off. And I have embraced him as Jason De Laurentiis. So in honor of Kinsey's note to me, as well as me, stop being a bit of a butt face. Jason Newface is just going to be, from here on out, Jason De Laurentiis. This is Jason. He's always been this way. I don't know who you're talking about from season one. Uh, that was the imposter. I don't know. Yeah, yes. Um, I will embrace Jason, uh, our current Jason. And I'm looking forward to what he has to offer. But he has a lot to offer this week. Uh, kind of a kind of a kind of a shock. And Kinsey's last note is very excited to hear your reaction to the A reveal. Boy, so am I. And I hope I get closer to the answer. We have a lot of clues this week. So I think I think I think we're getting closer. There's a lot there's a lot that happens. So thank you so much, Kinsey, for writing in. I really appreciate it. And let's let's just dive into uh, what we have today. Chris watches pretty little liars. Chris watches pretty little liars. Chris watches pretty little liars. So he can help you figure out who's a Okay, let's just dive in here. Season two, episode five, "The Devil." You know, uh, in our in our previously on, we get a little bit of uh, Jackie Fitz and Aria reestablishing that love triangle that Jackie knows that Mister Fitz and his former high school student were smooching. So, so Jackie knows that. We see a recap of where Caleb and Hannah are. It's not a spoiler to anyone watching the show, right? I think what happens in this episode, we knew was going to happen. It was just a matter of time before they found their way back. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Then we see the ring horseshoe bit again. They're really obsessed with this horseshoe bit. I don't know if... <laughs> I don't know. The show really wants us to notice that. I mean, they, they've, it's, been, it's been now and previously on, so it's very important. Oh, and then we get a recap, which only in hindsight did I, did I understand, like, why, why all this stuff? We get a recap that, you know, Emily's camping gear was stolen, Arya getting shoved, and then someone in Jason's window, and then a little... Melissa, Ian, stuff. Oh, and I wanted to say something. I mean, this show should have content warnings anyway. Just so you know, there is a little uh, content warning for my episode here right now. A little discussion about self-harm and suicide. So just letting you all know that that is the contents of this TV show. And I'll be addressing it here today. Just to give you a heads up, because we just dive right in to a letter that was next to Ian when he was discovered dead. And I'm just going to read to you the letter. As I saw it on the little iPad we see at the beginning of this episode, it says, I killed Allison. I lost my temper because she knew too much. Bit, but it's but, but it's, it was really sloppily written. But it says, but there's only so much you can bury. It won't be that easy. But then there's a word pain that's scratched out. And then it says, but pain. But I know how to get rid of the pain. I can't run from the law. Come and find me, Ian. Yeah, this is 
maybe our biggest piece of evidence we've had since the what was the biggest piece last season? Oh, probably since the videos, right? Probably since the videos. Number one, we quickly discover, as I'm sure you did watching, this was not written by Ian, likely one of our A's. I am now, I've always been pretty certain about the multiple A theory. I am now 100% certain because if you recall the A messages that Hannah was left when the A was harassing her, which I theorized was Noel or, and or Mona, completely different handwriting from this now, sure. RA might be a handwriting expert, right? They might be someone who can adapt. However, later on, we see handwriting that matches this. So without a doubt, in my brain, no questions asked, more than one person is A or doing stuff as A. So that is, I'm not really, I'm actually not going to bring that up anymore. I'm just going to assume that's fact. Okay. Um, and we get a little like, how did, so the liars are looking at this. Emily has it because Hannah took a photo and emailed, emailed it to Emily. And Emily has it on their iPad as they kind of go through this. And there's a little discussion. Is this a suicide note or a confession? Maybe a little bit of both. I liked Ari's little joke here. What was it? We are welcome. We're about as welcome as a cold sore. It's nice. And it's very obvious, right? It's season two, episode five. And the point is made, Ian's gone, but not A, <laughs> right? Um, and of course, Garrett undercover walks in. He's returning evidence from the lacrosse office that was Ian's. And, you know, we don't trust Garrett. We know he's working with Jenna. In love with Jenna? I don't know what's going on there. But viewer note, this is, uh, right, Mystery Show 101. We did not see anything at the crime scene as viewers. We did not see who was there, what happened to Ian's body, who was questioned, where is Ren? We don't see any of this. So as far as I'm concerned, Ian is not dead. If I'm going to say to you all as listeners, I didn't see... Allison's, uh, we didn't see that for Allison, so therefore she must be alive. The same is true here for Ian. So, and I have a theory about that in a moment. The uh, coroner's report, or whatever you want to call it, says he's been dead for at least a week. So did he die in the Tower of Doom, is my note to myself. So they, so, so I guess, so Garrett tells them before he leaves, he's been dead for at least a week. And then he pieces out. So I first thought, did he die in the Tower of Doom? But we already know Ian, Jenna, and... Garrett are kind of a team. They've been kind of working together, whether officially as a trio or unofficially. So note that Garrett is the one that gives this piece of information. And there's a general feeling amongst them, except for Emily, that they just really want to move on. They're kind of tired of doing what I do on this podcast. You know, they want to live their lives. They want to be teenagers. They don't want to be thinking about, you know, who, who did this and who did that and looking over their shoulders. It's, it's a lot, right? Emily, though, remains pretty bothered. And she is convinced, as she is at right, that A was somehow involved in all this. And that's and they know this. And it's not done. Uh, everyone kind of walks away. Emily's still kind of thinking about this. And she sees the newspaper in the garbage can, murder solved. Allison's murder solved. As she's stewing on that kind of thought or idea, she gets a text from A. Hey, M, is it just me or does that suicide note look familiar? Dash A. And in my notes, this is Allison. This is Allison's note to Emily. Cut to the Hastings household. As you can imagine, this place is pretty dour. Reporters keep calling. Mom is hanging up on them. Spencer, wanting to take a little bit of the load off, grabs the phone on the next ring, yells into the phone. Oops, it's Grandma. Grandma checking in on the family, so she hands the phone back to Mom. Uh, and then there's a discussion about Ian's burial ceremony, and I guess the only family member they can reach is Ian's aunt, and Ian's aunt says, no, thank you. So... 
Spencer, of all people, is the one that brings up the idea that maybe they should be the ones that do it. You know, the parents are saying, how do we have to bury Ian and, and Spencer with Melissa, you know, in earshot in the living room says it's the right thing to do, that Melissa needs this funeral, needs a ceremony. And I understand the parents' reaction. They're like, hell no. But, you know, there's a, there's, they heard, they heard their daughter. Cut to Hannah, Caleb pops over. Uh, the fridge is empty again, which I don't know. I mean, last season, that was a big code that they were having money trouble. So I don't know if that's what's really going on here, but their fridge is empty. Caleb is over kind of hanging out and he's checking in, saying he heard about what happened. And Hannah's like, relax, okay? And then Hannah takes a moment and, you know, says to him, have you seen a dead body? And he says, yeah. Okay, we just kind of leave that there. And then Hannah's mom kind of bursts in, and she's very upset. She was trying to reach Hannah, and Hannah's like, oh, my phone was off. So I, I guess mom may have gone to work, right, and come home, and was kind of kind of worried. And we see a real moment from mom. Mom's been worried for the past year or more about Hannah going out and, and this threat and, and, and who might be hurt her daughter. And Hannah tries to assure her mother. She says it's over. And something very interesting here, as they're having that conversation, uh, Hannah and her mother, and when Hannah says it's over, Caleb has a look. He has a look. Later on, it's played off as he was uncomfortable hearing, you know, a mother and daughter have a confrontation. I don't know, folks. I don't know. It's over prompted him to look guilty as hell, and he walked out the door. So, I don't know. Put that under her hats. Cut to Hollis. Arya and Fitz's office. They're very casual and open. And boy, oh boy, Jackie. Now, n- number two. Catches them in an intimate moment. Do they, do they smooch? I don't know if they actually smooch, but it's pretty intimate. And Jackie does the thing where she closes the door and like knocks really loud. And she's playing it cool. She's not revealing that she knows what is going on here. And jeez, the two of them trying to act out this horrible lie like oh i was you know she's here to see her dad's office and fitz is like oh yeah student oh it's uh jackie it must, she must be ugh. i don't know what's going on in jackie's mind i'm assuming we're going to see something similar to season one when ezra's buddy comes back and tells him you got to stop this i think jackie might have a similar approach to ezra i mean they did have a relationship and i'm sure she feels still a connection to him she probably tell him you got to stop this you got to end this what the hell is wrong with you Ezra had a nickname in college, Z. I don't hate it. I don't hate Z. But Arya does not like it. But they're still doing a lot of lying. And I think for some reason, Arya thought, you know, Fitz leaves Rosewood High. He's no longer her teacher, so everything is fine. And I think the reality is, which is what we've been dealing with since season one, right, is this is still an issue. They still have to lie. Being a couple even here is an issue. And so he's going to call her friend now. Hmm, okay. Uh, new, new location alert. New location alert. We are outside... Speed Demon Express Courier Service, and actually found an ad for them. Uh, I found an ad for them. I need to get this package to my wife and kids up in Anchorage. How will Speed I? Speed Demon Express can take care of it. Why are your other carriers? Because Speed Demon Express delivers. I really like the red walls. We have the lowest prices. Considering our competition. I think you have the heat on. It's very warm in there. No rush. We'll cross the river sticks to get a very 24 human hour. When you say sacrifice, that's like a more metaphor. Confirmation available in black or red ink. I mean, I don't need my soul now. Our CEO fell from heaven, but we have standard insurance in case of accidental drops or damage. 
Speed Demon Express. We'll get it there, come hell or high water. <laughs> so Emily walks into Speed Demon Express. Uh, she has some sort of package I think she's picking up. I don't even know if she knows what it is, but uh, the guy says, have any ID? And, and uh, Emily's like, do I know you? And he's like, oh, bah, 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 bah. And he runs away and she gets her package. And as she's walking out, she sees on the wall like a little employee of the month thing, I think. And it says Logan Reed, who I did not recall this, although I'm sure it's in my notes. That was the fake delivery guy from uh, the season season one. And so she's like, mm-hmm, we're going to come back and talk to Logan here. Cut to the Hastings household. Run with three ends, checked in, uh, just to be sure everyone's doing okay. And we don't know who know who knows what, do we? We don't know how much Ren really knew, and we don't know how much Melissa really knew. We assume the police questioned them, but again, we didn't see any of that. We haven't seen any of this. We haven't seen any of the police work at all. So I don't know what's been said, uh, but he, apparently he's 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 fine. Yeah, I, I put in my notes. We don't know the full truth yet as viewers. Spencer is getting homework delivered to her, and Mom kind of comes in and says, "You're always working hard. Always working hard." Well, yeah, Mom, I I I like you, but. Boy, you have a household here that has your daughters being super competitive and always, always pushing, always pushing to be the best. Okay, I'm done with that rant. And she says to Spencer, they're going to have that funeral for Ian after all. They were very moved by Spencer's passion to to give this to her sister. And she even says, you should invite your friends, the ones that I told you you can't see. And mom has a real moment here. Uh, again, a very a very emotional moment. This episode had it all, folks. A lot of great moments here. She apologizes for not believing Spencer. And geez, you know, I know I'm critical of their of the parents being so hard on their daughters to be this, you know, these amazing people in whatever field they choose to be in, right? High performing, always competitive. But but that hurt the most, I think, Spencer, is that Melissa and whatever it is that she's doing or not doing, the fact that her parents did not believe Spencer at all. They did not believe her at the beginning of the season about what happened in the Bell Tower of Doom. And she's mom feels bad. She feels terrible. And she says, can I have another chance? And Spencer just says, of course. And they hug. And it's really, um, it's a healing moment, I think. Cut to the Fields household. Uh, Emily's reading a book by Carson McCullers, The Heart is a Lonely Hunter. Not sure if we need to read that for a book club for the podcast, but that's what she's reading. And something kind of hits her, which I figured was going to happen. She has like a little research montage she starts scrolling through her texts, and she is realizing, I mean, I caught it, I think I caught it, maybe, I don't know if I caught it, I'm not trying to brag, I swear to God, I'm not trying to brag. I think something caught for me, I'm looking back at the letter, that's what you hear on the podcast here, the audio. So where's the letter at? I think it was the, only so much you can bury or come in, one of the lines was like, that's weird, is that? an a text message thing and i'm sure if we went through here and found them we would but that's what she's doing she's like oh they're all connected the only the only layer i didn't i don't know if this is a layer or not clearly these are picked from the messages a has sent to the liars does that mean that the person that sent all those a messages is the same a or is there a record of all the messages i'm not sure the significance of all that it seems like a long way to a short answer to me why A would do that, other than just to be like, this is really cool, everybody, is to say that they have A, they have access to this A network that's been harassing them, or there's something else buried in that message. And I saw Emily's notes, and I didn't write it down. It looks like she was trying to tie together like what they were in reference to, like, was this a Spencer message, right? So if there's a layer to that, um, then it makes sense to me. 
And I do have a theory about that as well, of course. Spencer's looking up knockoff rings. I guess she's feeling really bad about the whole ring situation. And I guess wants to buy a fake ring. Or maybe she's trying to find the ring. I'm not quite sure necessarily what she's doing. But you, you can tell this whole ring situation is really weighing heavy on her. And then she gets a text. Would mommy hug a thief? Tell the truth, Spence, or you'll get that ring when you least expect it, dash A. Okay, aside from why do this, it does say something about this whole ring situation. Uh, I don't know if it does, actually. Because someone went in there, right, and bought the ring back. I don't think that gets us any closer or, or further back from who did it. I was going to say it was Ian, or couldn't it have been Ian, right? That's because we had this whole thing, you know, the dead body for a week, so it couldn't have been Ian. I don't know, though. I don't know. I can't trust anything Garrett says, and he's the only one that says he's it's a dead, been a dead body for a week. And we know Garrett's information is completely unusable, so I don't know. In the end, it's kind of a wash for me, is what I'm saying. It's kind of a cool reveal if you believe Ian's really dead and he was dead for a week. Uh, but again, we have Garrett who told us that. Someone goes to break into the De Laurentiis' house. There's a little hooded figure who comes up. They break, have a big stone in their hand. Then Jason, notice I didn't say Jason new face, even though I just did. Jason, De Laurentiis, stops them. He grabs them by the hand. Big shock. I was actually a little surprised here. Mike. And I put, what? Now, if you recall, last episode, I theorized, because it hit me in the moment recording. What if Mike was hoodie guy? Not not our person running around season one. I'm talking specifically about person who pushes Ian into the Tower of Doom. Person who has been running around, right, the the square at the beginning of, of the first episode of season two. Maybe he bought the ring. I don't know, but I, I don't think so. I think he I think he's like a little vigilante is what I'm saying. Mike wants to be on a CW show. So Jason basically drops him off and Mike's being all like, whatever, I was trying to break into someone's house. What's the big deal, everybody? He's so eye-rolly even when he's busted. And Jason and Arya, again, have a little moment here, a little chemistry. There's a little spark there. And she's like, well, we should call the cops. He's like, don't call the cops. I'm sick of cops being in my house. Also because Allie is, (laughs) my sister Allison faked her death and is in my house. I don't want to deal with that. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say that out loud. But he says, yeah, I don't want to call the cops because I don't want them in there. And he says, don't even tell your parents. It's done. You know, implicitly saying Mike's been through a lot, you know, kind of let it go. And then after all that, Mike's still kind of a pain in the ass about all this. It's really strange. Anyway, so Jason basically forgets it. And Arya is still very surprised and shocked. What is going on with that? Cut to the field's household. Emily puts together uh, that a note are all the A messages. So she starts like putting out this little... Looks like a ransom note thing, but <laughs> anyway, she wanted to be really thorough with it, so she like cut out all the messages to kind of line up perfectly. Cut to the school. Hannah and Caleb have a chat, and we find out Caleb's foster parent, Janet, gets money from the state to raise Caleb, but basically she doesn't give anything to him. She doesn't do anything for him, so she basically just pockets the cash. And for him, he's like, it's a safe... What? I don't... I didn't quite get what his position here is he's like i i could be a lot worse situation you know yeah she takes my money but she's not abusive is basically what he says to hannah and hannah apologizes for the confrontation he saw earlier and he's like listen you have a parent that cares emily kind of regroups with the liars and basically produces her theory um and says that i guess emily puts together that ian was not a which i think we all kind of assumed anyway but then she shows like all the messages. So she shows all her evidence and everyone's kind of like, uh, but Emily leaves a few details out. 
She leaves a few details out, so she's not completely transparent. Uh, but we do cut back to the store, and Emily's like, I'm just going to confront Logan. And Logan's like, dude, I, I, it was a cash delivery. Um, it wasn't a guy that called me. It was a woman on the phone who hired me, and I never met them. He says, but I would recognize their voice if I heard it again. Back to the school, more Janet and Caleb. We, we finally meet Janet. Uh, Hannah kind of like eavesdrops, something to do with Caleb in class. And Janet's kind of chewing him out, saying, you know how it looks when I don't know anything about you. And he says, I like Kung Fu. My eye, my favorite color is blue. And I've gone four days without a meal. And she's like, smart ass. And Hannah starts her plan to kind of get back at Janet. So, wow. And then Mike and Ari have a confrontation. Ari's like, what are you doing, Mike? And he's like, eye rolling, so annoyed he's getting called out for being uh, a thief. Fine, I'll take back Emily's stolen camping gear. And like, what does Mike need the camping gear for? And it was Mike who ran into Arya. He's the one that came, who broke into Spencer's house, checks her, and and flees. I think Mike is being employed by A. I think Mike is in the A network. I think Mike, either it's Noel Khan employing Mike or somebody else, and they are trying to continue their plans. And whether A has told Mike A will solve the issues between his parents, right? Or get rid of the woman who Mike's dad was having an affair with, whatever it is. I think A is asking Mike to do these things for those reasons. That's just my theory. Um, then he, then Mike, as he storms off, says, yeah, tell our parents unless you want them to fight again. Kind of holding that over Arya, too. Oh, boy. Cut to this Hastings household. Uh, Spencer and Melissa. And Spencer is, like, just going to confess. And then Mom asks for Spencer to set the table. So Spencer was so close. So close. Cut back to Hannah's. Um, she has a dress on. And Mom's like, no, you cannot wear that dress to a funeral. And something about mom didn't go to her own dad's funeral, which I don't know if did we know this, what happened there? Uh, but I guess, you know, Hannah's mom had a very difficult relationship with her father, uh, Hannah's grandfather, and she um, she didn't go to the funeral. And I think she says, I'm sorry if I don't remember exactly. I think she says she does not regret not going. But there's this line, freedom costs. So we go to the funeral, which in hindsight, I realized for some reason this was on a school day. So we do have some scenes that cut back to school and people in their funeral garb and back it's the same chapel where ian almost murdered spencer wow wow i guess when you only have one chapel you get you're kind of stuck on options but dear lord my goodness um look like craig t nelson is in the background just someone who looks like him not him actually melissa's not doing good she's kind of staring off in the space uh, the police are there to be sure no one um i guess i don't know what they would do and then Emily's like, hey, I've, got, I mean, I've figured something out. And Spencer's like, I just want to forget all this. I, this is not the time. And then Spencer and Emily had this little conversation, which I felt personally attacked. I didn't really. But Emily's like, blah, blah, blah. You know, you know Ian was an A. And like, she's starting start to theorize. It's starting to sound like me. And Spencer stops her and says, don't you think this is what A wants? A wants us to be obsessed. We're suspended in time. We're harassing delivery boys for clues, which is basically what this podcast is. So Spencer is speaking to me. Am I also working for A, you know? And then Emily's response is, don't you want to know the truth? Don't we owe that to Allison? And then Spencer replies, nothing we do will bring Allison back. And again, I wrote in my notes, the show is being very cheeky because if Ian's not dead, Allison for sure is not dead. So I don't know what would bring Allison back. And I thought actually it was going to happen tonight. It does not. Spoiler alert for 20 minutes from now. Uh, Fitz comes into the chapel like, hey, Arya. And then <laughs> Arya's parents get up and say, hey, Mr. Fitz. And it's like, Ooh. Uh, so they have a very pleasant chat, but that was a close call. 
Emily pulls Garrett on a cover aside. And I went, oh, no. She basically tells him, I think this delivery guy might be the Logan guy, and I know where he works. And Garrett's like, don't worry, I'll get it covered. And I'm starting to wonder, is Garrett doing more than we're seeing? Is Garrett more involved? Is he basically Jenna's hench- henchman right now? Is he, you know, the person with the gloves and the coat that we've seen often on? Is he cleaning up the mess, et cetera, et cetera? For what reason? I do not know, but he may be more of a henchman than I realized initially. We cut outside to the actual uh, the actual lowering of the casket. Once again, did not see Ian inside said casket. Nowhere, nowhere in sight. So as far as I'm concerned, he is not dead. Uh, we get a wide shot. I did a quick scan. I didn't see anyone new. Pam is not there. Nor is Jenna, nor is Toby, nor is Jason, although we do see him far away a little bit later on. Uh, Hannah's mother is there. And of course, Ari's parents are there. Uh, but that's it. I didn't see Caleb, no Lucas, Noel. I didn't see any of those folks. Okay. And then we have a little call back to the opening graphic here. They're kind of throwing dirt into this casket. Very reminiscent of our got a secret. And then, yeah, Jason is there in the background, kind of in not mourning clothes, looking really upset. And I thought in my and thought in a moment here, if taken at the service level, let's say we removed all the A mystery about this, and we're just dealing with the fact that someone lost their sister, and the person that has revealed that they did it is no longer with us. How would I was thinking? How would I, how would I feel in that situation if I'm Jason? And you see a lot of emotion on his face, which we find out it's not quite that simple. But yeah, on a surface level, this would be a very poignant, very difficult scene. And I thought they captured. The complex emotional moment here, uh, when there's a discussion of closure, you know, what would you do in that situation? Which is kind of what Spencer was trying to relay. And I wonder at the time how fans and audience members responded to this. But there is something to be said for closure. Whether that's in a situation like this, which is a little extreme, but even in our interpersonal relationships, you know, years later, even. Anyway. Emily says, Jason's a freak. And she says, well, I'm not, I'm not going to talk to him. I don't know what that's about. I bet, you, I bet you there's something more there. But Arya starts to approach him, and then Ezra comes up from behind, so she stops. And we have this we have this discussion again, as we've had for a long time. It sounds like Arya wants to tell everybody. And Nurse is like, listen, telling your parents is not like a little thing. It is a cannonball. And I think what neither of them are acknowledging is that if... Ari's parents find out about this relationship, it is over. I mean, that is what A had on her last year. It does not change. The details and reactions do not change. Ezra has line of the week. They'll blame this whole relationship on me. Ezra, kind of, yeah. Yes, kind of, yes. You are the adult in this situation. You are of drinking age. You could have walked away many times, and you have not. So I think, I think the blame overwhelmingly rests on your shoulders. But I realize the show wants us to have a more nuanced take and a more balanced view of the situation. So I'm going to I'm going to give in to what the show wants me to feel. But I think in the real world, we would rightly ask the older person here to have made the decision to end the relationship. But here we go. Um, And then she says, I just wanted to hug today, which I understand that from an emotional point of view. I get it. But he's like, I got to go. And he, he runs away, you know. This is what it is. This is this is them forever, I think. So I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know about the future of Aria and Fitz. To be perfectly honest with everybody, cut to school. I guess again, this is the same day. So Hannah's there in her funeral outfit. Janet's walking through the hall. Hannah stops her and says, um, "I forget what she says to her, but 
Janet says, that's nice, hon. Ooh. Ooh. Whoever plays Janet, such a nice delivery of such a demeaning use of the word hun. You know, sometimes you go to like diners and you might get a coming right up, hun. You know, it's kind of playful and whatever. Janet says this in the most demeaning way possible. Uh, but then Hannah has this whole little bit where her mom is pretending to be a lawyer and they're going to get the lawyers on her about the hell Caleb situation. So as Janet walks away, I was like, is she actually going to do anything or not? But I don't know. Come back to the funeral. Arya and Jason, Arya kind of walks up to Jason and she says to him, why did you forgive Mike? Jason says, well, you know, Allie had a lot of threats for me. So I guess, I don't know why he empathizes with Mike for some reason, but he's like, yeah, I guess he screwed up a lot too. And then he's going through this whole thing where he feels like his parents might feel like they lost the wrong kid, that they liked Allison more than they liked him. So he's going through a lot, you know, internally here. And then he says it again. He says he doesn't remember anything the night Allison died slash disappeared. So it's not just a, it's not a metaphor. He literally says he had a hangover and he does not remember anything. And so he thought he might have killed Allison. And he says, this is a relief to know that Ian did it. So the whole thing we saw a few episodes ago when he's like, wait, did Ian, did Ian actually say that? Remember when Spencer told him that and he kind of flipped out? That's why. Because he all woke up in the morning and in his pocket was a note. It says, I know what you did. Fans, listeners, viewers, check it out yourself. The way the letters look, I know what you did on that note matches the quote unquote suicide note left by Ian. The same person wrote the notes, not matching the post-it notes that Hannah got from season one. Two different A's. But Ian and this are connected. I want to say these might be Allison. I just don't quite understand what the whole game for her, if that's what's going on. But anyway, so yeah, he's relieved. Uh, a very unusual emotion to have right now. He's very relieved because he, he thinks Ian did it and he's no longer with us. So Jason can move on. Cut back to the Hastings household. Uh, Melissa, Spencer again, and Melissa just says, it's a girl, referring to the baby. And Melissa starts to apologize. And then Spencer's apologizing. They have this very, very, uh, you know, reconciliation type moment here. And Spencer's trying to confess about the ring. Melissa says, I've lied to so many people. She says, I have to tell you something that you don't know. And she starts to say something. And then something very weird happens. Remember last time we had the little stinger of someone putting something in Spencer's bag? Well, it was Ian's phone. And we saw somebody put that in her bag. A or not A. Melissa sees it, flips out, says, I'll never forgive you. She grabs the phone. She throws it hard enough to break it. And I wrote in my notes, how convenient. The one piece of evidence to determine who or what or if he had sent those messages at all is now destroyed. Very suspicious of that moment. Cut back to the Arya household and the parents are having a conversation. Elle is really bothered by what's going on. She's like, Ian was working in the school. I mean, this is very strange. And I believe it's dad who says, we see what we want to see. Hmm, interesting. Uh, Mike's going out for the night and guess what? He has his little vigilante outfit on. He has his hoodie, so... Whatever he's doing, he's not done. And he's going to be doing more steving. Steving? Stealing. Uh, uh, no surprise to anyone. Garrett shows up at the uh, Speed Demon Express. And he gives Logan Reed a ton of cash. Pays him to get out of town. Garrett calls his handler Jenna and says it's all taken care of. What in the hell is going on here? I don't know. <sighs> Cut to Hannah's house. Caleb's over there giving, dropping off food or whatever. I'm like, Clearly, they're getting back together. What, what are we doing here? Why, why are we dancing around this? 
he finds out, you know, he tells her, yeah, this thing happened, and Janet gave me a bunch of cash. And then he's going to, him and Lucas are going to be watching Goonies. So they're still hanging out. But he figured it out. Dolce, Gabbana, and Leibowitz. Like, he's like, I know this was you and your mom. And they smooch. One smooch. I should have, like, a little sound effect for that, right? Like a like a bell. Cut to the Affields household. Emily's in a whole escape room here. If the Hastings set up the funeral, then they ostensibly set up and created the pamphlets and flyers. On the back is a flyer for the plot of which where Ian is buried. In the envelope that Emily received at Speed Demon Express is a second map with something circled, the same cemetery, and then she gets a text. Sometimes the shortest distance from plot A to plot B is the long way around dash A. And I'm like, we're doing, she's doing an escape room here. She's doing a, a D&D game. So she gets the, par- the liars together, cemetery at night, never a good idea. See some weeping angels in the foreground. And then they're having a conversation. They're trying to work this out. Like, wait, is A helping us or hurting us? And then they reason through that everything up until now, when it has to do with Ian, was given to them by A. All these clues, the tree, the videotape, all that has come to lead them to Ian. And then like, wait a minute, A hates us. So they're very confused. And they're, they are working through why I think there's more than one A, because this contradiction could be solved that there's more than one person. But anyway, they come to plot 44, plot 44, Allison's grave, which I was like, of course it is. I thought they were going to dig it up and find nothing in there, but they didn't. Instead, the video starts playing, and I thought this was clear. I guess they didn't know this for sure, but the video starts playing, and we see the video with Ian talking to Allison. She goes on the ground. She grips the ground, and I think in the moment, they're like, oh, this is the moment where Allison dies, and it was very traumatic. But I remember the time. I was like, I don't know if that's what's going on. Sure enough, it was a pleasurable moment. I'll keep this very pg and they get up, Ian, and they see Ian, and they all gasp, like, oh, Ian didn't kill her. Oh, my goodness. And then he walks away, and then they're like, we need, to, <laughs> we need to find the projector. I thought in that moment, I thought how cool would it have been if Allison would have come from the, for- from the background, like, into the you know, projected image. So, like, she comes out of the shadows, and she's like, what's up, bitches? But no, that didn't happen. So they're looking for this projector person, and then the big stinger is <laughs> this person running away into the woods. Uh, yeah, okay. So I've gone a little long today, so I'm going to keep my wrap-up pretty short. But what have we learned? Well, I feel like the liars are catching up to maybe the viewers, and they're kind of working it out. that There's a huge contradiction if you're presupposing there's one A. If there are more than one A, then it would under, that wouldn't make sense why... 1A harasses Hannah to a horrible degree and threatens to reveal Ari's relationship versus the A trying to lead them along this clues to Ian's malfeasance. I have a theory. I have a few theories. Melissa is the one who pushed Allison down and she thought she killed her. That was what Melissa was about to confess to Spencer. No clue what the hell the, this horseshoe and the ring thing is. I, I don't really understand the significance of that, but uh, that's still going on. Don't think Ian's dead. I think Melissa packed the bag. Since it has his passport, has everything he needs in there. And Garrett's part of the process. Garrett, Jenna, and Ian are all together. So if they can figure out a way for him to sneak out, you know, keep keep it all under wraps. Great. Now you might say to me, Chris, how are you going to do all that subterfuge at the police station? There's got to be a coroner, right? There's got to be a medical examiner, police, et cetera, et cetera. I hear you. I don't know. <laughs> But 
If you don't see it on camera, I'm not believing it, uh, with, especially with this show, and especially with all the setup that they did. And they have someone on the inside. You know, they have Garrett. Who knows who else might be on the payroll? Mike is the vigilante. He is at least the one that saved Spencer. He's running around doing stuff for A. Probably Allison A is my guess. I think Jason doesn't know what happened because he was drugged or something. I think there's a piece of the, sh- the puzzle that he knows. He just wasn't drunk, right? I think there's a big piece of the puzzle that he knows. We've accepted Jason De Laurentiis as who he is. He's no longer Jason Newface. And I think there's more to the letter and this whole treasure hunt thing with Emily and figuring all this out. I don't know what it is yet, but I think there's another layer to this that will reveal some bit of information. What does that mean? I don't know. But I've said enough, right? Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Magoogs, occasionally twitching at Mac to the gal. Be sure to leave feedback. I would love feedback. And thank you again, uh, Kinsey, and uh, all of your listeners. <sighs> yeah, I've said enough. Thank you.